Come on, somebody bless Jesus in this room tonight. Come on, somebody bless Jesus in this room tonight. Come on, somebody open up your mouth and just bless the Lord in this room tonight. Come on, if he's been worthy, if he's good, if he's ever healed your body, if he's ever touched your mind, somebody bless the name of the Lord in this room tonight. If, if I'm going to preach, I'm going to get to the text. But, but let me just say this before I begin this journey in this text. I, I, I feel the weight of my assignment tonight. I have visited this platform, this church, this people many times now. Never have I felt the weight of my assignment to the word of God tonight. Which means that when there is this kind of weight on the word, there must be a people who come into the room with hungry hearts. Because the truth is tonight, you will only get from this word what you are hungry to receive. When God chose to feed his people manna, he did it according to their eating. According is a musical term. It means in harmony with. In other words, God says, I've got the meal. I am ready to feed it. The question is, are you really hungry for it? So if you're hungry tonight for something from God, I dare you just to slip up your hands. And before I preach tonight, and before God speaks tonight, and before the Holy Spirit touches you tonight, I dare you just to raise the level of your expectation in this room. I dare you whether you're on stage holding an instrument, holding a mic, or if you're in this room with your hands lifted, all across this room begin to open up your mouth and with your own voice, be it, let it be a catalyst of appetite and hunger to God. Come on, you got 30 seconds. Open up your mouth. Let me hear you. If you're watching me online, wherever you're watching from, I declare over your life, let your hunger rise as the meal God has prepared is about to be released. Come on, you got 15 seconds. I, I wish I had about 100 people who would just say, God, speak tonight. God, speak tonight. God, open up your mouth to your word and speak. Y'all, I feel a burning in my soul tonight. I believe God has sent me here to say something to some weary people, some tired people, but hungry people. While you're standing, grab your Bibles. I just feel like I got to preach this thing. Stay standing if you can. I got to preach. I, Natasha, I, I said it on the way up here. I just feel like I have to preach this to some people tonight. Do you feel the anointing that's in this room? Do you know what I feel like just happened? I feel like things got real holy real fast. And sometimes things don't have to be shouty and dancing. Sometimes you know you're in the glory by how holy and still your soul becomes. Am I in that church tonight? I want you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Thank God for this worship team. Mark chapter 6. Thank God for this worship team. Incredible worship. Thank you. 
keys. You can just stay wherever you are. Just hang with me for a second. Thank God for the leadership team of this church. Are you thankful for your pastors tonight? Come on, are you thankful for Pastor Jordan, his wife, Pastor Gary? Come on, let them hear it tonight. If you're thankful for leadership that's taking you somewhere. I hope you're ready to hear from God tonight. Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 45. Common passage of Scripture. Perhaps the revelation, not so common. See some, one of my spiritual sons, I see some of his sons in here tonight. Thank you all for being here. I honor you. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. This is what the word of the Lord would say. And immediately he made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. Now when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. But about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately He talked with them. Isn't it good to know that he still speaks? And one word from Jesus can calm every worried and wearied heart. He spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up uh, into the boat, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure. And they marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. I want to preach for just a few moments in this room tonight. I'm sent on assignment to tell you that no matter what the devil has been telling you, no matter what the whispers of demonic entities have been saying to you, God says no matter what you've been hearing, you are still in the middle of a move of God. I'm going to say that again and let it get down in your spirit for just a moment. God told me to tell you that no matter what the enemy has been telling you and whispering to you about your life, your situation, your circumstance, God said to tell you that that devil is a liar and that you are still standing. Whether you know it or not, believe it or not, or see it or not, you are still standing right in the middle of a move of God. Slip up your hands and let me pray. Father, I thank you for what I sense. There is an anointing in this room tonight. And for that, I'm grateful. For my words would be empty without your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking the word and applying it to every person. I give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe it, say amen. And as you're seated, just look at somebody around you and say, you're still in the middle of a move of God. Come on, prophesy to somebody and say, you're still in the middle of a move of God. I believe it's important tonight before I preach the content of my sermon to you, before I dig down in the text that I bring before you, 
that I first and foremost bring subtle reminders to your faith. For what I'm about to preach to you will make no sense if you don't remind yourself of who God really is in your life. Because what if I told you that sometimes you can get into some things in life, be hit by some storms, go through some circumstances, and in the midst of going through what you're going through, the enemy seeks to pervert your perspective about God. But I came in this room to remind you that God is better than you think he is. Come on, somebody. I said, I came to tell somebody God is bigger and God is greater and he's more powerful than you think that he is. God is who he says he is and even greater things like love. I want to remind somebody tonight, whether you believe it or not, that God loves you. And if you would have really understood what I just said, you wouldn't have sat there so quietly because God indeed truly and actually and really loves his children. See, everybody gets awkward in church when we start talking about how much God loves you because we have taught you how to love God more than how much God really loves you. In most churches, we will tell you that you have to lift your hands and pray and read your Bible, and that is your love towards God. But the minute we turn the conversation back to how much he loves you, some of you get awkward. But what if I told you in this room, there is always in every service a moment of divine exchange by which the praises go up and the reciprocity of God begins to come down. Don't think that we just sang, I feel like preaching. Don't think that we just sang songs to sing songs. Don't think that we do it for the hype. We do it because we know that as we begin to praise the Lord, that he inhabits the praises of his people. And as we send them up, it won't be long before he comes down to tell us who we really are. And I want to tell somebody in the room, you are loved by God. And this kind of love is not the love of men. It's not the love of women. This is a God love. It's other-centered love. This kind of love will chase you down until you respond to it. You can try to run from the love of God your whole life, but I got news for you. Just the minute you think you've outran the love of God, you will hear a knock on the door of your heart, and the love of God will be standing there. So I would rather surrender to the love of God than run from the love of God and be swept up in all that God is. Is there anybody that can take about 10 seconds and Thank God for his love in your life. Oh, come on, where would you be? What would you still be stuck in? What would you still be addicted to? What mess would you be in had he not loved you? My friends, you only stand in what you stand in because God loved you in a way you could not love yourself. I wish I had about 50 people who would give God some crazy praise for his crazy love. So what kind of love does God have? God just doesn't have love. He's got so love. Because John 3.16 says, for God, so love. Well, Pastor Josh, what is so love? It's the kind of love that looks at your life, no matter where you've been or what you've done, the kind of past you have or the kind of mistakes you made. And by the time you get through your excuses of why God can't love you, God stares right back at your soul and says, so 
So, so you've got a past. So you've made some mistakes. So you didn't do what I wanted you to do. So you didn't always have it together. The devil is a liar. Just because you made a mistake, that did not disqualify you from being loved by God. And I came to tell somebody, it's time to hop back in to the river of God's love and immerse yourself in agape all over again. God loves you with a agape kind of love. And because he loves you, just gentle reminders, because he loves you, we have a choice to make when we receive that love. We have some reciprocity when we receive his love. Well, how do we return this kind of love? Because as much as we'd like to say we love God, we can never really return that love. That love is a greater love. It's a deeper love. It's a bigger love. So then how do we return the investment of God's love? How do we get it back to God? You get it back to God through a little thing called trust. If you are trying to prove you love God to God, then you prove it by telling God how much you trust God and showing God how much you trust him. Because I know a lot of people that will tell God that they love him, but when it comes time for circumstances and situations and things get tight, they show they really don't love him because they act like they really don't trust him. Preach, Pastor Josh, that was good right there. Because what if I told you that if you wanted to show God that you really love him, you would trust him. You would stand in the middle of sickness and pain and a doctor's report and issues and put your feet down and look every devil in the eye and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Where is the church? Where is the people of God who will stand in trust and say, though I'm fall, the righteous man falls seven times, but it just keeps on getting back up again because he trusts the Lord. I trust him. I trust him. What if I told you, can I be deep? What if I told you that trust is the oxygen that love breathes? That the minute you lose trust, you begin to disintegrate love. And it's not just in your love for God that that's true. Those of us who have got real relationships understand that if you want to kill love in a marriage, come on somebody, don't be, don't be religious. If you want to kill a friendship, if you just lose trust with somebody and you'll end up losing the relationship with somebody and it's no different with God when God looks down to see if you have taken in his love when he sees trust he knows you got it can I go deeper because if you want to show God that you love him you're going to have to trust him but from the place of trust it should produce an obedience and everybody shouts about love and people shout about trust, but the minute you talk about obeying God, because we love the love stuff and the love story of faith. But what if I told you that if you are at the apex of proving your love for God, he says, if you love me, uh, obey my commandments. God says the ultimate litmus test of love is your obedience. What are you not getting from God because you've yet to obey him in that area? There are some things you will not receive in your life until you decide to obey God despite 
Oh, come on, somebody. I said, obey God despite. Obey God despite the bank account, despite the, what, what people say, despite what the people around you, despite the circumstances. I wonder if there's anybody in the room tonight, and I know this ain't a popular praise break, but I wonder if there's anybody in the room who's made up their mind that come hell or high water, yes, I will trust him, but more importantly, I will obey the Lord. It's not popular preaching to teach obedience because we live in a whole culture that says get it your way and have it your way and that the customer is always right. But that's only if your manager is wrong. See, I don't have the kind of manager or the oversight in my life who handles me wrong. What I know is God is the author and the finisher of my faith and the best place I could ever put my trust and my life and my obedience is in the hands of God. God says, I want to give you love. You respond with trust and obedience. Can I go deeper? And from the place of trust and obedience comes confidence. The people you know that have the greatest walks with God, they have those walks because they are confident, not always in themselves, but they are confident in God. They have seen him come through enough. I feel the anointing. They have seen him heal enough. They have seen him provide enough. They have seen him deliver enough. They have seen him set free enough to know that God is who he says he is. That all that trust stuff that I gave him and all the obedience stuff wasn't for nothing, baby. When I did what God said, God came through. And I came to tell every person that's been out there in faith, feeling like you're all by yourself, I came to prophesy that God is just about to come through on your behalf. He's just about to heal your body. He's just about to touch your mind. He's just about to save your children. He's going oh, to come on somebody. He's just about to come through. And if you know that God can be trusted, if he is obeyed, somebody give God some praise in the room tonight. It is our obedience to God that breeds our confidence to go for God. It's knowing that when he said things like, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that he meant it. When he said that he's a friend that sticks closer, come on, Deanna, closer than a brother, that he meant it. That no matter what you face, he is going to walk with you. Well, Pastor Josh, why did you spend all that time telling us about love, telling us about trust, obedience, and confidence. Because at the beginning of the text I bring before you, confidence is at an all-time high. That these disciples are in the place of such trust and obedience and confidence that he looks at them after doing the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. And confidence is so high that they say, wherever you send me, Wherever you want to take us next, we are ready to go. And the Bible says that he looked at them and he made them get in the boat. And because he said it, and because of what they saw, they believed it. And they got into the boat and they begin to push off with trust and obedience and confidence. They are launching into what's next for God. Except there's only one problem in this text. Before, when they had done this, they could turn around 
and see that he was with them. But this time, they launched and were moving forward with trust, obedience, and confidence only to turn around and see that he was not making this journey with them. I want to take a second and preach down into the place of separation. For every person in the room who said yes to God and said yes with confidence and trust and obedience only to see yourself at the beginning of the journey, then turn around and realize, where's Jesus? Have you ever gone through a season in your life where you had to ask the question, where are you? Y'all way too religious on a Sunday night. But where are the people in the room who have walked a season out where you had to ask yourself on the daily, God, are you for real? God, are you really coming this time? Are you walking this thing with me? Have you ever gone through something that hits you so hard, that hit your life so unexpectedly, that when you looked around for help, you said, God, I wasn't expecting all this. Where are you? Some of you might be in that season tonight. You came to church with something you needed God to do, and God said go, and God said yes, but yet you feel the absence of God. Word up. Never confuse perceived severance as absolute and total absence. Come on, somebody. What if I told you that when God said he was going to be with you, that he is going to be with you? And most of us in this room get tripped up in faith because we confuse God's silence as God's severance. Not knowing that all of us got these phones, and we got a GPS on these phones. And here's what I know about the GPS. There's times I've had to drive long stretches of highway, and I have gotten proper instruction, and I have gotten proper direction. I have been told the way to go, only to be driving a long stretch of highway and not hear anything from my GPS. Watch this, until it's time Don't miss what I'm saying. Until it's time to turn. See, see, sometimes uh, the silence of God is not the separation of God. Sometimes the silence of God is the validation of God, that you are going the direction you are supposed to go, that you have not left what he said. And before you believe the devil that tells you that God is not for you anymore and he doesn't love you anymore, and before you hit pause uh, on your destiny, you've got to remember that sometimes silence is God's way of saying, keep going. Oh, that's a word for somebody in the room tonight who's about to press pause on your purpose. But God told me to tell you, he is not angry. He is well pleased. Keep on moving. Keep on picking up your feet. God is with you whether you believe it or not. And that's the problem for some of us. Is that everything inside of this thing we call faith is based upon feeling. But what if I told you you can't even call it faith if it's got to be about feeling? Some of us are so shallow in our faith that if we don't feel God, we assume God's not in it. So they got to sing my song, and they got to preach my kind of way. Y'all way too quiet. 
And it's got to be just how I like it or else God's not in it. The devil is a liar. I came to tell you, grow up. Grow up because real faith doesn't need feelings to move forward. Real faith doesn't need feelings to take another step because if you've got real faith, it's not about what you feel, baby. It's about what you know. That's why the apostle Paul said that he prayed that you would increase, not in the way you feel, God, but in the what you know about God because there are going to be some seasons where you don't feel anything and you don't feel nothing. But if you know that God is who he says he is, you can keep on moving in Jesus' name. Am I preaching to anybody? I came to tell somebody, take the pause button off and start picking up your feet again. Take the pause button off and start walking by faith and not by sight. Take the pause button off and stop walking by your feelings and say, if God said it, I believe it and that settles it in Jesus' name. Shout if you know I'm preaching truth. They have started the journey only to realize he is not with us. Where are you? Some of us recently, even recently, have asked the question, where are you? Do you not see me crying? Do you not hear me praying? Where are you? Let me tell you, thank God for this text. Because if I didn't have the text, I wouldn't be able to give you the answer about where God really is in seasons like that. Because the truth is, when you don't know where he is, this text tells us that he sent them away, but he didn't go on vacation. The Bible says that as he sent them away, he began to elevate Oh, come on, somebody. And he wasn't elevating for no reason. The Bible says that he went up to pray. Where is God in tough seasons or silent seasons? I came to tell you, he might not be talking to you, but he sure is talking to God about you. I just, I, just, I just set somebody free. I just broke the door open on somebody who's been wondering where God has been in a season. I came to tell you, you might not have felt him. You may not know where he is, but I came to tell you, he has been praying for you. He has been talking to God about your life, your season, and your situation. And let me tell somebody, if, you, if there's anything that is better than him not being with me, it's knowing that he is praying for me because God, had Jesus has never prayed a prayer that didn't get through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus prays perfect prayers. Uh, he prays Holy Ghost prayers. Uh, he prays the kind of prayers that touch the heart of the Father. And when I can't pray for myself, I thank God for the prayer life of Jesus uh, as my mediator, my intercessor. He makes the difference. He is also teaching us that when we want to move forward in life, we've got to learn how to get above the situation and pray. Because prayer is the place you find out what you don't know. An elevated prayer life is what God uses to let you see the situation like he sees it. The problem with some of us is the reason why we're so frustrated is because we haven't elevated high enough to get God's perspective about what's really going on. 
Because here's what my Bible promises, that, uh, that no matter how bad the situation is or how tough it is, he is the kind of God, if he's my God, that works all things. All things, not some things, not half things, not three-quarter things. He is the kind of God that by the time the story is over, he will work all things together for my good. So I came to tell a mama, don't you stop praying. I came to tell a man of God, don't you dare stop praying. Because prayer is the place you push forward even when you don't feel God. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? He is praying for them. He has gone up to say, while they go from me, I am praying for them. And if I don't preach anything else, that's enough for you to walk out of this room with hope and joy and victory, knowing that if he be for me, I said, if he be for me, what, who, where could be against me? And as he is going up, they are going out. See it with your mind. He is going up to pray. They are going out. And everything is good on the first leg of the trip until they get to the middle. Because when the enemy wants to attack you, he's not going to do it when you begin. It's too prophetic. It's too promise-filled. He does not do it at the end because you have already finished. But rather when the enemy really wants to attack you, he doesn't do it at the beginning. He doesn't do it at the end, but he waits till you get in the middle. Why does the enemy wait to attack you in the middle? Because you are too far to go back. And you are not far enough to finish. So the enemy waits till you get out there in no man's land. And then all of a sudden, he will send something to disturb your peace. He will send something to get you off of what God said. He will come with the storm and he will come with the waves. But most importantly, he comes with the wind. Because the attack of the enemy that he loves to use in the middle is not the water. It's the wind. Why? Oh, can I teach tonight a little bit? Why does the enemy like to get you in the middle and then send gale force winds into your life? Because wind is invisible. Wind is the kind of thing where you don't know where it came from. You really don't know how to fight it. Come on, somebody, talk to me in this room. Have you ever gone through something that hit you so suddenly that you didn't know where it came from? And you didn't know how to fight it. And you didn't even know how to deal with it. You weren't even expecting it. Have you ever been hit with something in your life that you, that you went to bed feeling such joy, opened the door on a new day, and when you open the door, get hit with something that took you down so low, and you wonder, God, how did I go from so high to so low so fast? The enemy loves to use wind. He loves to use the invisible stuff, the stuff you don't have an answer for. But I also found out another reason why the enemy likes to use wind. He likes to use wind because God likes to use wind. 
Y'all ain't ready for me tonight. You ain't ready. But let me tell you, for every contrary wind of the enemy, there is also a, there is always a helping wind of the Spirit. When God gets ready to push his people forward, he doesn't do it by might. Come on, somebody. And he doesn't do it by power, but he does it by the Spirit of the living God. Well, what's the Spirit of God? It's the pneuma of God. It is the wind of God. And I came to tell somebody, get ready for a fresh wind of God's Spirit in your life, in your body in your mind look at somebody say here comes the wind here comes the wind here comes the wind the wind of God is about to blow you don't believe me that God uses wind check out Acts 2 he got ready to start the church and the Bible says as all hell is breaking loose outside of the upper room he got a hundred I feel the anointing y'all he got the 120 in the upper room he said and when they were all together with one mind and one accord the Bible said suddenly look at somebody say suddenly 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 there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind because God said I will undo everything the enemy does with the wind of my spirit and I came to tell somebody no matter how hard the wind's been blowing there is a greater wind that's on the way and it is the Holy Ghost himself I wish I had about a hundred people that would give God praise for what's about to blow in your life the spirit is about to come yeah, the spirit is coming to your mind. The spirit of God is about to blow depression out your body, out of your soul. The anxiety is about to run, oh hallelujah, out the building. Why? Because of the wind of the Holy Ghost. If you love this kind of wind, somebody give him praise tonight. That's why I'm glad I'm a charismatic. That's why I'm glad I'm a Pentecostal. That's why I'm glad I love the Spirit of God. Why? Because anytime I get hit with something that I don't know how to handle, I don't even have to pray in my own language. I can just say, when? And the minute I start praying with the other type of wind, that wind will push the other wind back in Jesus' name. They are in the middle getting hit by the wind. And the wind is stirring up the waves because the enemy knows that the boat will not sink as long as the water stays on the outside. But if I can get this wind to blow hard enough and stir up unbelief and worry and doubt, then maybe I can get some of this water that's out of the boat to get in the boat and sink the boat. And they are standing there struggling and fighting. Watch this. In the middle. In the middle. And all of a sudden I became aware. I'm almost done. Is this all right tonight? I became aware of three great disparities that will come to real disciples. Distance, disparity, because if you walk faith long enough and you walk faith right, there will be some seasons he feels distant. So what are the disparities of this text? The first disparity is location. He is over there and they are all the way out there. Location. Okay, have you ever felt... Like God 
was more present for other people than he was for you? Have you ever felt like you were sitting in a service just like this and you're looking across the church and somebody else is getting touched? Oh, come on, be real in the room. And how are they getting that kind of praise? And how do they have that kind of joy on a Sunday night? I've been in church all day. I don't feel, have you ever felt like he was there but you were here? Disparity in location. Can I be real deep? The disparity of time. I have preached the walking on water text countless times. I've preached them in the boat. I've told them to get out of the boat. I have, I have preached messages called storm chaser and all this good stuff about this text, but I never saw what I'm about to show you right now. It's that when the text starts, when the text starts, they are in the evening. But when the struggle of the storm really begins to take hold, it no longer is evening and it becomes the fourth watch of the night. And this is why the Spirit of God sent me in this room tonight is to talk to every person in this room who has gone for God, said yes to God, been sent by God, and you are now out here in the middle of a storm getting beat up head to toe and wondering where he is. And the worst part about it is with every passing moment, you can hear the ticking of the clock on your life. Have you ever been in a place where you said, God, if you don't come soon, I may never see what you said. See how quiet it is? Have you ever been in a place where God said something profound on this side? You went for God. You said yes to God. He sent you, and now you are fighting something you didn't see coming. And all the while, the times, the moments, or the years, the decades of your life are flashing before you all at once. Because you can start to ask questions like, is he even going to come? Are you even invested in me like you used to be? Lord, if you don't come, the only testimony I'm going to have is that I went for you and died in the storm. Somebody can come to the keys. Which leads me to the third level, the third disparity of location, time, and the third one, expectation. Because anytime you get out there and God and things start hitting you and you don't know where God is, you start saying things like, I thought I'd be there sooner than this. This lake is not a large lake. Are you hearing me tonight? This lake is not a huge lake. This was not a 14-hour trip. This was, should have been a couple hours at most. And have you ever been in some situation or season that, hold it, that held you up so long that you started saying, I wish I was there, but now I don't even know if I'm going to make it there. And they are handling not just discipleship, they are holding in this text, and I'm done, the disparities of life. And to make matters worse, when Jesus glanced their way, the text says that they weren't just fighting the storm, they were being tormented in their rowing. 
Straining in the Greek means tormented because you can fight something so long. Come on, am I talking to anybody? You can fight something so long that you take two steps forward and then get hit with something that takes you three steps backwards. You, you can get, come on, y'all, talk to me. He, he saw the torment. Have you ever been stuck in something so long that it's not even a fight anymore? It's tormenting. It'll make you question things like, do I want to live anymore? I wish I had some real people. It'll make you say things that you know believers should never say. I, I'm about to give up. I'm about to throw in the towel. I'm about to quit. If this is what it's supposed to be, I don't want it. And what makes it even worse is you send me here. And if I leave the text here, it looks like nothing but trauma and tragedy. But aren't you glad the text does not stop? Because the Bible says that from his elevated place of prayer, he saw them. Please hear this preacher. Because it's a simple point, but it's profound. Because I want to tell somebody in this room, no matter what the storm is doing or saying, no matter what the devil is whispering, no matter how severe the boat is rocking, I came to tell you, he still sees you. That no matter how dark the night is and how tough the situation is, he still sees you. He still sees you, mama. He still sees you, daddy. He knows the struggle and the pain and the torment. God doesn't do abandonment and God doesn't do neglect. He sees you. Is there anybody thankful for the God who doesn't just pray for you? He sees you. I heard of a story a while back of a firefighter who was saving a boy out of a two-second-story window in an apartment building. It had caught on fire, and the smoke was billowing out the window, and the boy was on the edge, and the smoke is billowing, and the boy's at the edge, and the firefighter is saying, you've got to jump. You've got to jump. If you don't jump, you'll die. You've got to jump. You've got to jump. And the boy said, no, I can't jump. He says, if you don't jump, you'll die. You, you will die. You literally have to jump. And the boy said, here's the problem. I can't jump because I can't see you. What the, fire, fire, what the firefighter responded with is revelation to the body. Because the firefighter looked at the boy who couldn't see him and says, I know you can't see me. But I can see you. So jump on out and leap by faith. And the word of the Lord over somebody is, you may not be able to see God, but baby, don't press pause on destiny. Don't press pause on what you're believing for because you might not see him, but he still sees you. And when he saw them, the Bible says this is it. The Bible says that he stopped praying and he started moving. I want to tell somebody, I feel like I'm building somebody's faith, that there is a season where he will stop praying and he will start moving on your behalf. 
I know those imps from hell want to tell you that God's never coming and he forgot about you. But the devil is a liar. God sees you. And I came to tell somebody he's just about to wrap up his prayer and say amen. And he's about to start moving in your direction. I wonder if there's anybody who could take about 10 seconds right here and throw your hands up to heaven for just a moment and go ahead and praise God and say, God, I don't see you yet. I don't feel you yet. But I know that you are on the way. Thank you for praying for me, but thank you even more for moving on my behalf. I said he's about to move. He's about to move. He's about to move. I don't know who I'm talking to, but he's about to move. God has heard you. He has seen you, and he's just about to move. Get your faith up. Get your praise up. Get your hallelujahs a little higher. Get your Christian dance back out again. Get your praise and worship back out again. Why? Because God is just about to move again. He's about to move. Jordan, he's about to move. I, I know, I know, Pastor Gay, but I know he's about to move. He's about to move. He's about to move. He's been praying, and he see, but he's about to move. He's about to move. He's about to move. I can't get that out of my spirit. I just feel the Holy Spirit is talking for a second. I'm about to move, he said. I'm about to move. I don't know what you need him to move in, but I would just start worshiping right there in your seat. I would just start praising right there in your seat. He's about to move. He's about to move. He's about to flip the script. And what the enemy meant for evil, he's about to turn it for your good. He's about to move. He's about to move in your family. He's about to move for those kids. He's about to move in your finances. I feel something breaking loose in this room. He's about to move. Come on, Holy Ghost. I give you permission. I say yes. Move in my life. Move in my family. Move in my finances. Move, Holy Ghost. Move. Stand to your feet, everybody. Hey, I feel him. I feel him. I feel him. I feel him. All of a sudden, he, unbeknownst to them, stops praying and starts moving. And he decides to show his might in a way he has never shown it before. He says, I'm not walking on land. I'm not taking the long way around and meet him on the other side. He said, I'm going to come straight to where they are. I'm coming straight into the storm as the Savior. I'm coming straight into the storm knowing that the winds and the waves obey me. Come on, somebody. I'm about to come. Watch this. I'm not swimming my way there. I'm walking on this thing because the word of the Lord is for you to know that despite the strength of the storm, Jesus still walks on what you sink in. And he is walking uh, on the water. Can you see him? And he is coming to the middle. He's about to get in the middle of it. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight. I'm literally just preaching what God said to preach. But God is about to get involved. He's about to get in the middle of it all. And when he shows up 
everything that's not of him has to bow its knee to the name that is above every name. Oh, come on, somebody. When he gets involved, cancer's going to have to bow its knee to Jesus. When he gets involved, depression and anxiety are going to have to bow their knee. When he shows up, something is about to change. And the text said he is coming. And he would have passed them by because he waits for your response when you see him or when you don't. And word up, they thought he was a ghost because sometimes he shows up in ways that you don't even discern or can't even understand. But nevertheless, if it's him, you still have to cry out and say, God, I don't have time in this storm to pick and choose how I want you to be in this moment. God, come however you want to come, and I'll say yes to whatever you want to do. And Peter yelled out. Jesus stopped walking. And all of a sudden, there is an exchange. You come to me, and as long as you keep your eyes on me, I'll make sure you do what I do and handle what you In other words, I'm going to partner with you and I'm going to show the devil that I'm not the only one that has authority over this thing. I'm going to transfer the authority to my children and my children can do. Come on. That's why Jesus said greater works will you do. That's why he said I've given you the keys to the kingdom. There is a transfer of authority by which we lay our hands on the sick and see them recover. The transfer happens. And then the Bible says, not in Mark, but in John. I have never seen this before in my life. In John 6, 21, throw it up. John 6, 21. Come on, I gave it to y'all. Yeah. Same story. Never seen it before. Watch this. Then they willingly, willingly, they said, if you're going to do it, not my will, but yours be done. They willingly received him and his ways into the boat. Watch this. Don't miss it. And immediately. The same boat that was in the middle immediately, miraculously, unbelievably, supernaturally, the same boat in the middle getting hit by the storm was right at the land it was supposed to be at because oh hallelujah because when Jesus gets involved there is a supernatural transfer of time and power and God knows how to get you there in the blink of an eye you do know that in one moment they blinked and felt the wind and by the time they opened up their eyes again the situation had changed so quickly so matter-of-factly that they showed up and said how did we even get here and the Lord sent me to tell you that this next miracle that he's going to do in you and do for you, you're going to blink with pain and open up with power. You're going to go to bed with trauma and wake up with doctor's reports being reversed. Y'all ain't saying nothing. 
You're going to go to sleep feeling anxious and depressed. And then the next morning, you're going to wake up and have joy unspeakable and full of glory and peace that passes all understanding. God is just about to do it suddenly, and he's about to do it supernaturally. If you believe it, somebody give him praise in the room. My final point is this. Is that in the middle, the enemy would have you believe you are in the middle of a storm. But from heaven's perspective, you're not in the middle of a storm. You are standing in the middle, I feel the anointing, of a move. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself, but I came to tell you, you are not standing in the middle of a storm. You are standing in a setup because you are not in the middle of a storm, baby. You are standing in the middle of a move of God. And despite what it looks like, feels like, God told me to tell you in this room, come on, slip up your hands and receive this, that this looks like death and this looks like tragedy and this feels like trauma and you feel stuck, but the word of the Lord is you are standing in the middle of a move of God if you believe it somebody give God a big shout of praise in this room in fact close your eyes and lift your hands I'm done I want you just to begin to prophesy over your life for a second and say this is not cancer This is not depression, whatever you're facing. This is not that. This is not a storm. This is not a storm. I'm right in the middle of a move of God. God is about to move. And I have faith now to understand uh, that he's been praying for me. And he's coming to me. And he's transferring transferring authority to me. I am standing in the middle of a move of God. I don't know who I'm talking to, but the Lord told me to tell you, shift your perspective. Uh, Change the way you see it. Uh, It is not what the enemy said it is what I will declare it to be and God said I have come now and you are standing in the middle of a move of God every head bowed every eye closed father I did exactly what you said to do I preached the message you told me to preach Father, I have now lent your words to the ears of your people. Father, I pray right now, by your Holy Spirit, begin to shift hearts to see and to know that they are standing in the middle of a move of God. I pray, do it now, Holy Ghost. Come on, just slip up your hands. Do it now, 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 do it now. Change, change your perspective. Change your, I hear you, I hear you, Holy Ghost. Change your perspective. The Lord said, change your perspective. Change your perspective. Here comes the wind of my spirit. Change your perspective. Change your perspective. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Come on, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've been hit, getting hit with. I don't know where it's at in your life. But God says, change your perspective about it. Your perspective has not been the right perspective, says the Lord. I need you to shift your mindset because now, now, 
You are not standing in a storm. You are right in the middle of a move of God. I came to tell somebody, get ready for provision. Get ready for healing. Get ready for deliverance. Get ready for salvation. Here comes a move of God. Not another wind of a storm. A move of God's spirit. Now I'm about to say this and open these altars. God sent me on assignment with this word because he said there were people in this room who felt like they were standing in a storm. And you know what I found out through all these years of preaching around the world? That you could come to church and hide the fact you feel that way. You can, you can stand there and know all the right things to do. The Christian calisthenics and underneath feel the pressure of the wind and the waves rocking your very existence. And you put, on a, you put on your churchy Christian smile and pretend like nothing's wrong, but go ahead, you go home and weep because you feel like you are standing in a storm and God sent me to tell you the storm is about to cease and peace is about to come as you transfer from a middle of a storm to a middle of a move of God. Watch this, look at me. Here's the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord told me on the way up here. He said, tell them to drop their oars and raise their sails. If you are going to be driven by the wind of God's spirit, you are going to have to learn to let go of your ways and how you want it to be done. And you're gonna to have to trust that the God who loves you, where the oars cease, the wind will get in your sails again. And the word of the Lord for somebody in this room is prepare to hear the wind of God's spirit blowing in the sails of your soul tomorrow. God is not going to wait another week or another month but starting this moment, this night, this moment, he is about to breathe on your situation and God is about to shift that thing in the name of Jesus. So if you're in this room tonight, I came for every person in this room who is standing in what they feel like is the middle of a storm. You are standing in what you feel like will never go away, never change never get any better. I'm talking to people who have put whole dreams on hold because of mistakes you made. And you said, the enemy told you, you can't get that back. The devil is a liar. God is about to move. If I'm talking to you in this room, you are standing in something, you say, Pastor Josh, I just need some prayer tonight. I feel like I am stuck in some stuff and I haven't ever admitted it, but I'm gonna admit it tonight. I'm gonna be a little bold. Nobody needs to know what you're going through, but you need to confront it with God's help tonight. Come on, somebody. See, some of this stuff we call revival is we think it's just the shaking and the dancing and the falling out. But let me tell you what revival really is at its center. It's God bringing dead things back to life. No matter what it looks like. You're in this room tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed. Pastor Josh, I got some stuff that I feel stuck in, some stuff that's not moving, a situation that I feel helpless in, and I need God to touch me. I don't want to leave this place without experiencing the wind of His Spirit gently blowing on my soul. If I'm talking to you on the count of three, I want you to come. I feel the anointing. One, hallelujah. Two, if that's you, three, come, 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 come. 
come, 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 friends, come, 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 come. And when you come, just slip your hands up to heaven. Come on, raise those sails. Raise those sails to God. Raise those sails. You can't catch wind in the sails that aren't raised. Raise the sails. And I know you're struggling, but I hear the Lord saying, just open your mouth. And I know it's tough to praise him when you're fighting. I know it's tough to praise him when you're struggling. I know it's tough to praise him when you don't feel like he's there. But I feel like the Lord said, just tell him to praise me. Praise me. Come on. Tell him to begin to worship. Come on. All across this room. Don't wait for the singers. Huh? Don't wait for the preacher to say, come on. Just begin to open up your mouth and begin to praise the Lord and worship. Tell him how good he is and how good of a father he is. And thank him for his love and his mercy in your life. Come on. Open up your mouth for just a moment. We're going to pray for you. We're going to minister to you. But I feel like the the wind of God's spirit. Uh, God himself, his presence is enthroned. He inhabits the praises of his people. If you want the wind to blow, you have to learn how to worship in dark seasons. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, come on, take it up a level. Despite what the storm is telling you, despite what the wind is telling you, come on, stand in the space with the storm hitting your life uh, and declare the goodness of God. Nothing makes hell more frustrated or hell more angry than you be going through something that you're going through and stand there with your hands lifted and telling God how good he is uh, despite, despite, despite what you're facing. Now keep those hands lifted. We're about to sing. And as you sing, it's more than a song to close the service. You, you are releasing the wind on this song. You are releasing the wind. Come on, with your hands lifted all across the room. Come on, begin to minister. Begin to minister all across this room. Come on, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Come on, receive it. This is a move. Come on. Come on, just receive that. This is a move. Yeah, yeah, minister. Come on, this is a move. This is a move. This is a move of God.
want you to pray the most real prayer you've ever prayed about the circumstance you're in. I'm not talking about that churchy cute stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that's sitting in your soul. I want you to open up your mouth and with desperation begin to tell God how you really feel about what you're going through. Come on, I want you to begin to confess because God will never help and will never heal the thing you don't open up and talk to him about. God is waiting on you to say yes in your soul so he can say yes back to you. Come on, begin to open up your mouth all across this room. I want, I want the staff to get ready. I want the prayer teams to get ready because we're about to lay our hands. But there has to be a conversation. Come on, in this text, there was a conversation. A conversation. A conversation from disciples who were afraid, who had some fear and some worry. Come on, and he assured them that it was him and he had come to rescue. Come on, you got 10 seconds. Be real. Be real. Be real. Be real. Be real. Be real. Tell God about how frustrated you really are, how tired you really are, how weary you really are. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Look, look, look up here at me. I feel a move of God's Spirit. It's about to happen. You know what the Lord just told me? He said, tell them to be vulnerable all over again. Do you know the blessing Adam had in was not the garden it was his nudity is this too deep for a Sunday night because without the nudity he couldn't feel the cool breeze of God's presence sometimes we don't get the breeze of God because we try to put all this other stuff on to hide what we're really feeling and only the enemy will tell you that nudity is a negative or vulnerability is a negative in God's presence He'll tell you it don't take all that. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Keep speaking. He'll say it don't take all that. It don't take all that crying. It don't take all that praising. It don't take all that worshiping. He will try to get you to put stuff on to cover up how you really feel. But I hear the Lord say, strip it all away. Because tonight, he's about to let you feel the breeze again. Truth, lift up your hands. I feel the glory. Teams, get ready. I hear the Lord over your life. It feels like it's constant. I was talking about the rowing, and you felt like, Pastor Josh, that's me. Two steps forward, three steps back. One good report, two negative reports. One good day, two negative days. But I feel like I heard the Lord say, get ready. The breeze is blowing in your direction. Because of what God has prepared, I declare, he I feel you, Lord, healing. I don't even know if that makes sense in your spirit. Healing in your mind, in your body. In the name of Jesus, as I lay my hands on you now, there is a breeze of the power of God on your life. And you will never be the same. Come on, are you ready? Slip up your hands. God's about to touch you. Team. I want you to pray for as many people, staff, pray for as many people as you can. The Lord is about to touch us, and while we pray for them, I want you to keep it up here, and we are going to stand in a move of God tonight, because this is not a storm. We are standing in the middle of a move of God. Come on, with those hands lifted. Come on, praise team. Begin to sing. Staff, are you ready? On the count of three, lay your hands on them. Come on, one, two, 
three, come on, begin to pray, begin to pray, begin to pray.
against the destiny of your life. But I hear the Lord saying, now shift your perspective. He is about to release a fresh anointing and a fresh glory for the call of God. God said there are dreams and there are desires of your heart that you have yet to see. And the enemy has fought so that you would give up or even throw in the towel. But I declare now in the name of Jesus, you are not standing in the storm. You are standing in the move of God and the anointing that breaks that yoke rests upon you now in the name of Jesus. Come on, slip up your hands in this room. There is weight to this word tonight. Because now you have been equipped to stand in every storm and see it for what it really is. This is not a storm. This is a move of God. I want to say this over this church and do one more thing and hand this mic and I'll take my seat. I declare for how the enemy has tried to even hit this house. And if I'm off, rebuke me and I'll take it and receive it. But I felt like the enemy has been trying to hold up what God has been trying to do, even missionally in this house. But in the name of Jesus, a fresh wind of the Spirit of God begins to blow like never before. And I declare, not just a move of God, but I declare over this house that the enemy will rule the day that he ever tried to hit leadership and he ever tried to hit this people and this house with that kind of wind. And I hear the Lord saying that what the enemy meant for evil Soon and very soon, Pastor Jordan, God is about, hallelujah, I said God is about to turn it for your good. Come on, do you receive that tonight? Come on, do you receive that tonight? Come on, I said, do you receive it? It's turning. Why don't you just with your hands lifted, just turn one time. Yeah, that's how quick it's going to turn. That's how quick it's going to turn. That's how quick it's going to turn. Immediately they were there. Come on, if you believe it's about to turn, somebody give God a shout of praise. Pastor Jordan's about to come. This is the final thing God said on the way up here to do tonight, the altar time. Did you get anything from this word tonight? Did anybody feel that anointing begin to flow in this room? Here's the thing, Pastor George. There wasn't just one man in the boat. They were all in this thing. And sometimes we could come to church and not realize that we're not the only one struggling and fighting. So sometimes we need his ministry. Sometimes we still need ministry one to another. 
I want you to reach over and put your hand on somebody's shoulder. And before I tell you to pray, I want you to prophesy eye to eye, face to face, and tell them, neighbor, you are standing in the middle of a move of God. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, look at your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. You are standing. Oh, I felt some break right there. You are standing in the middle of a move of God. Now you take the last 30 seconds before Pastor Jordan, and I want you to lay your hands on your neighbor, and I want you to begin to pray and prophesy. Come on, take 30 seconds and pray. Prophesy. They're in a move of God. You're in a move of God. You're in a move of God. To every band member, you're in a move of God. To every singer, you're in a move Pastor, you're in a move of God. This is a move of God.
Come on, let's give Pastor Josh a thanks tonight for such an incredible, incredible word. He took the time element out. He got into that boat, and immediately they were to the other side of the lake. Just keep prophesying that over your situation. God, take that time element out. Remove it. Remove it in Jesus' name. And immediately, come on, say that, immediately. Just declare that over your situation. Say, immediately. We declare that immediately. God, we're to the other side of it. We're on the other side of it. Step into the boat tonight, Lord Jesus. Step into the boat tonight. We make room. We make you welcome. We receive you in immediately divine propulsion in Jesus name take us to the other side in Jesus name in Jesus name church I want to challenge you this is not just a word to receive amen but it's the word of God that brings salvation that when we declare with our mouth and we believe in our Amen. We declare with our mouth. We just don't receive it in. We declare it with our mouth, and then we believe it in our heart. Declare it with your mouth. Every time the enemy would seek to raise his head, declare it. Declare it, and then believe it, and let's get to that other side. Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's thank Pastor Josh for an incredible word tonight. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have sent the man of God to this house. God, and we've been able to eat and receive from heavenly places. And Father, I pray that we as your people, we would respond and we would bless accordingly as we have been blessed. And Father, I pray that this word, it would be deposited into our lives tonight. Wouldn't be seed thrown on stony ground that would be able to come and taken away. But Father, let it grow and produce fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise in this house tonight. Don't forget Fall Festival this Wednesday night at our midweek service. Be blessed this week. We love you. God bless you.